We have a hot baseball team. More details on the incident that has left the Pac-12 maimed and intensive care and some eyebrows raised after what the Seahawks' former quarterback said about his new city. Good morning. It's Wednesday, July 6th, and this is the dang apostrophe. I know when you ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me here. I appreciate that, Pete. I really do. It is Danny O'Neill. This is the dang apostrophe, and people have wondered exactly why I call it the dang apostrophe, and it's, well, because like the apostrophe in my last name, it always tends to be... Hanging around, hanging around. Kids got alligator blood. Can't get rid of him. Nope, not that easy, and I am back in podcast form, hoping to sustain that going forward. We got some ideas here at the newsletter, which you can subscribe to via Substack, and we'll be having... Hopefully weekly podcasts. I don't want to overpromise. We start off with your Seattle Mariners who exit San Diego, much like the weather, fairly hot. In fact, I might go so far as to say blistering. They defeated the San Diego Padres 6-2 with the, the final blow being the most exciting one coming courtesy of shortstop J.P. Crawford. One and one. J.P. Grisham. Not going to get it. I told you everybody's going to run. Haggerty scores. Julio scores. To third. Digging for three. He is in there with a two-run triple. J.P. Crawford. Grisham takes a lot of pride on being able to go back on five balls and liners. Not today. 6-2 Mariners. Two-game series in what Tim Booth of the Associated Press refers to as the, the Eddie Vedder Cup. Because the Padres are quote-unquote natural rivals from the NL West, but but not really. In fact, one of the only things we could come up with that was shared, and Tim pointed it out, is that Eddie Vedder lives in Seattle but is from San Diego originally. The Mariners take the two games in the series by a combined score of 14-4. to They've won four in a row. They've won 12 of their past 15. The ways that they're doing that, very, very straightforward. In 12 of those last 15 games... In 12 of those last 15 games, the Mariners have held their opponents to three runs or fewer. They are doing this with pitching and defense. And it's good that the bats are heating up and Kyle Lewis is on a rehab assignment. But man, after it looked like the Mariners were dead in the water, that 3-8 and eight disaster of a homestand, they've won 12 of 15 since then. We switch over now to the Pac-12 where discussions continue about an incident that has left the Pac-12 potentially mortally wounded. The conference, currently in intensive care, described as critical, but the condition seems to have stabilized. There continue to be questions about the actions of a former caretaker, however. He's not been described as a person of interest yet by the authorities, but over 10 years, this caretaker looked after the Pac-12. In fact, was was paid in the neighborhood of $50 million over the term of his service to the conference. And there's now thoughts that perhaps, perhaps this former caretaker strangled the conference using cables from a television network that he insisted be built from scratch. Authorities, as I said, have not gone so far as to label a person of interest in the case. However, the investigation remains ongoing 
As we all know, USC and UCLA deserted the conference last Thursday, headed to the Big Ten. As of now, the conference, beginning in 2024, has 10 members. But before we get to what's going on with the Pac-12 conference, the rest of college football, there's something that I need to get off my chest regarding uh, audio clip that was replayed here in Seattle as a mid- back in the middle of June. Here is... Seattle's former quarterback, Russell Wilson, saying something that caused some people to raise eyebrows. It's been a blessing just to come here, you know, just to come to an amazing city like Denver, to be a part of it uh, with so much amazing teammates and great coaching staff. Um, but also, you know, I came here once I once the trade was going to happen and I said, hey, listen, I want to make sure I go to a city that wants to win. I want to make sure I go to a team that wants to win. And uh, I want to go to a city that knows how to win. And uh, all those three things were checked off the box here in Denver. And so... Um, I think we got a chance. You hit one. It's been a blessing. This is completely and totally innocuous. Now, there are some times where Russell Wilson may say things that are veiled criticism at Seattle. And when that happens, Seahawks fans are well within their rights to get upset and bristle and sort of, yeah, take exception to him casting shade on the team that they root for. However, this is not one of them. This is entirely bland, standard Russell Wilson, nothing burger statements of praise about his current place of work. There's nothing wrong with him talking about Denver. And him talking about Denver does not cast any sort of aspersions on Seattle or what the Seahawks franchise is doing. And any attempt to do so makes us look like little rubes who can't stand the fact that someone else has moved on. Seriously. There's, there's nothing being said about that that should make anyone uncomfortable. And if you are mad about it, that reveals something about how you feel about this whole transaction because that is entirely... When the Sonics moved to Oklahoma City, very quickly, one of the longest tenured members of the former Sonics who went to the Thunder was Nick Collison. Nick is an exceptionally good dude. And Nick for the entirety of his time there in Oklahoma City, got heat from the little palookas there because he continued to say nice things about Seattle. At at certain points, he was still living in Seattle. And I thought that it showed the nature of Oklahoma City as a minor league town. The fact that they weren't big enough to understand that this guy who plays for their team and is a really good player also had fond feelings for Seattle, the place he formerly worked. The same thing here. Seattle fans should not be so sensitive to any criticism that they read into Russell Wilson's statements where there is no criticism. He's saying simply when it was time to move, I wanted a city that knew how to win, a franchise that was capable of winning. That might not be true, by the way. Like there's, not, there's not a great track record of Denver after their last Super Bowl victory. However, what he said is totally innocuous and says nothing about Seattle. Full stop. Now let's get into the Pac-12. I've changed my mind about what I want. I initially hoped that Washington was headed to the Big Ten with Oregon. I, I don't feel that way anymore. I've got some thoughts about what I want, but I don't want this to be Washington fleeing the Pac-12. I, I, I'm sad that USC and UCLA did it, but even with those two prize steeds out of the barn. I, I, I don't want to go following them. And that really has to do with the 
who this is for and what it's going to result in. And nationally, there's a lot of excitement, I think, that's been engendered by this. People that don't have a vested interest in a West Coast conference. I I love West Coast football. I love the Pac-12. I'm really sad that it's not going to exist as it has. It can exist as it has. The the two the two most prominent it's two bluest of bloods, the USC football program, the UCLA basketball program. Those are those are the two most historically established, most prominent programs are gone. They're going to the Big Ten, and there's no way the Pac-12 to to pretend that it's going to be able to survive. It might survive, but it's going to be fundamentally different. I'm bummed about that. A lot of other people are excited, which to some extent, I understand. To another extent, I think it's misguided. Here's Colin Cowherd of Fox talking about the reason he thinks this is good for college football. The sport needs more quality games. So holistically, I now get USC, Ohio State, USC, Michigan, USC, Penn State, USC, Wisconsin, USC, Michigan State. Those are bigger games. UCLA, Ohio State not UCLA, Washington State, UCLA, Colorado, UCLA, Oregon. College football needs more great games. Go look at Alabama's schedule. Maybe three games you have to watch. So I think he's wrong, like just flat out on the face of it wrong. Does UCLA going to the Big Ten give you more big games? When they play, if they're good, like – Everybody's forgetting this. UCLA football has been very, very mediocre for a consistently long time, and they've had budget problems. UCLA-Minnesota is a better matchup than UCLA-Washington State? I don't think so. I I honestly, I I don't. What does a UCLA fan care about Minnesota? What does a Minnesota fan care about UCLA? Washington State fans do care about UCLA. They know about UCLA. It means something. And... When you get these moves that make no geographic sense and are completely ahistorical, that there's no... I mean, the Big Ten and the the Pac-12 have a relationship in terms of the Rose Bowl, but UCLA-Northwestern, UCLA-Illinois, UCLA-Rutgers and Maryland, they're in that conference. So there's this sense that, oh, you're going to get much better games. You know what? USC-Michigan and USC-Ohio State, USC Penn State I can see that that that's those are those are more prominent games yeah you get that but you also get if USC is mediocre or if UCLA continues to be mediocre you get a lot of games that there's a novelty to them because you haven't seen them before but I don't know if it's relevant there was a post by a West Virginia fan and it was on Reddit and the West Virginia fan was saying, hey, over the past, and I, I think he went, it was about 40 years, going back to, or 30 years, to the late 80s when West Virginia was an independent, that he'd essentially watched four or three and a half, depending on how you counted it, different sort of conference iterations. West Virginia was an independent and that would have been up until, like I know in the late 80s, they were still an independent because there was a year they played Notre Dame, I believe for the national title. West Virginia had Major Harris. And then they went to the Big East. 
And then the Big East fundamentally changed. So you essentially had Big East 1.0 and Big East 2.0, and now they're in the Big 12. And and the West Virginia fan was saying, look, the programs that we have the most animosity toward, we don't play anymore. We get games against Texas Tech. We get games against Baylor. It doesn't make any that the the program that West Virginia probably has the biggest rivalry with is Pitt. I guess you could say like other schools that would fit in there. It's Pitt would probably be the best one. You don't they don't have it anymore. That doesn't that doesn't exist and they're worse off for it. And and I feel that way about if Washington goes to the Big 10. There'll be some excitement of seeing some of the different matchups. Like, I'd like to go see a game at Iowa. I'd like to see a game at Nebraska. UW's played Nebraska in non-conference before. But, like, those matchups, those are exciting. And and everybody's like, UW-Michigan, UW-Ohio State, UW-Penn State. I don't know if a lot of Husky fans want to hear this, but Ohio State fans aren't looking at it and saying, oh, my gosh, what a huge ad for the conference to get UW. People will be more excited to get Oregon than they will to get Washington. Where's where does Washington fit into that conference's pecking order? Is it Iowa? I know that my initial reaction was no, Washington's better than Iowa. Not in basketball, they're not. How does how does that fit in? How does how does having a conference schedule that is all of a sudden going to include these teams that you have no history with. How's that going to feel if you're in a seven and five, even an eight and four kind of season? Is is that is that is that going to be better than a Pac-12 schedule? I I don't think Washington becomes a more successful football program by going to the Big Ten. I understand the fact that money is driving this and Washington will be a wealthier football program by going to the big 10 that Washington will stand to make more money. And then you can trot out this whole explanation that they'll remain relevant on a national stage. You're talking about a 18, 20 team conference possible. Washington gets lost in the shuffle. They're not going to win more conference titles in that scenario. They're in one of the conferences that really matters. But at the cost of what? I don't see any scenario where Washington State ends up in the Big Ten with Washington. And where I've changed my mind is I don't want Washington going to a conference where Washington State isn't. Because I don't want Washington leaving its geographic footprint. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube here. The Pac-12 is not going to come back together. USC and UCLA have decided they're going to they're going to take the cash. I get that. They're probably going to make at least twice, probably three times their media rights payment in 2024. What they get from their conference is probably going to is at least two, two and a half, and could be three times as big as what they would have get if they stayed with the Pac-12. That makes sense. Maybe this puts UCLA's head above water and they're able to actually sort of, they're able to start performing at a level that their reputation, and UCLA's such a weird team, man. 
like it's just a strange school they have and the whole time they've had this national reputation in the Pac-12 like it's them and USC or the Cadillac programs and it's a great place to go to school they have incredible uniforms like all of these things are true and they have been they've they've been more successful than Arizona over my lifetime it's close I, I think I would say Arizona's been the better program over the past 40 years in hoops, but it's very, very close. But UCLA isn't what it once was. And and its, it's football program is mediocre. It is a mediocre Pac-12 school. Like that's what, that's what UCLA is and has been for more than 10 years. If we're being honest about USC, other than Pete Carroll, USC's program, football program, has been fairly mediocre. It's been a mediocre national power other than Pete Carroll. And that was nine years, and he set it on fire. But, man, you look at the time before him when you had the end of Larry Smith, John Robinson's second run of duty, Paul Hackett, who was awful. Then Pete came. They're incredible. They get relaunched. What happened after Pete left? Well, then you start the revolving door of Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and then Clay Helton. I Look, Pete's the one. That, that's had it going. So maybe maybe vaulting in and getting that cash from the Big Ten. The Big Ten is the wealthiest conference in the country. Like everybody, for all everybody talks about the SEC and its competitiveness and how much better it is across all different. Big Ten's always been wealthier. It has been. It has to do with the size of the alumni base, what those, how big schools like Michigan and Ohio State are. The, the urban centers that it's been in, Big Ten's been the wealthier conference, and, and now UCLA and USC are tapping into that, and it's going to cost. It's going to cost the Pac-12 immensely in this. And I don't want to grab onto USC and UCLA's coattails and follow them to the Big Ten. I, I don't. I hope that the 10 Pac-12 schools that are left stay. And, and to be honest, I don't care that much about Utah and Colorado. I'd love for the four Northwest schools to stay in in that in their little pocket and play each other. And maybe Oregon, which I've said, I've heard their top choices are the SEC and the Big Ten. And if they're going to go that way, it won't bother me a bit if they go and Washington doesn't. I don't want to. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave the schools that we have history with. I go to games. I still have season tickets. I love college football, and. There will be a novelty if they ended up in the Big Ten, and that will be fun for a while. I think there will be something lost. And if this means that Washington is in some sort of lesser conference and that comes at a, at a blow to their national reputation and their budget, I guess I'm willing to take that in exchange for becoming some faceless member of a crowd where we don't fit. Because that's the possibility, too. For everybody who says, man, if you get into the Big Ten, you get this big rights, big big chunk of the rights pie, and then you're in there. Are you going to be better than Illinois? Are you going to be better than Northwestern? Because you better be, because if you're not, you've given up the relevance and sort of the history that you've had in a part of the country that knows what your football team is, what it means, what your your, your city and your school are about to be one of the palookas that get beat up on by the heavyweights from the Big Ten. So I I don't want Washington to go to the Big Ten. And if it ends up being the Pac-12 or there's a Pacific wing 
of a conference in which the Pac-12 and the Big 12 merge, that, that's, that's where I want Washington to be. One of the tipping points in this I was listening to, it's Sikkim 365, and I wanted to hear how other conferences were reacting to it. This is a, this is a show that is Big 12 football, and these guys specifically are Baylor fans, and they were taking a call. And this is, this is the reaction to the news that the UCL, U, UCLA and USC were leaving. This is a Big 12 caller. Hey, guys, what a great day for the Big 12. Last year, the Big 12 wasn't even sure it was still going to be around. Now, with UCLA and USC going to the Big 10, it really puts a dagger in the heart of the the Pac-12. I think Stanford and Oregon are going to have to go next to the Big 12, which means the Big 12 has their pick of the litter of all the teams that are left. Now, that's the part that really started to make me mad that a Big 12 fan would be happy at the collapse of another regional conference. And I get it, because college football is now one big game of screw your neighbor. That, that's, that's all it is. It's one big game, and a year ago, people in the Pac-12 were saying the same thing about the Big 12. Hey, can we go pick up a couple schools from there that make more sense and that will add to the strength of the conference? Will make us more marketable, get us more money. They've 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 been wounded with the defections of of Oklahoma and Texas. Let's let's go. They're a dying wildebeest. Let's go pick them off. And now it's the Pac-12. First of all, the idea of Stanford in the Big Twelve amused me greatly. I think Stanford's more likely to to stop to go to Division three and stop paying scholarships in football than it is to wind up in the Big Twelve. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. I don't see them leaving leaving Cal or Oregon, and then you get the pick of the litter with Arizona, Arizona State. I'll let the caller continue. You know, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State make sense. I don't know if Washington, Washington State would make sense for the Big 12, but amazing day for the Big 12. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate your call. We appreciate that very much uh, for you being a part of it. The calls we've just taken on Sikkim 365 yeah. Radio, 365 Sports. Yeah, you said Oregon and Stanford there. I think I'd be more looking at, and I'm not these people involved, obviously, but I would say Oregon and Washington would be the two big brands that would probably jump off first. and then. St- That's a guy named David Smoke. He and, and Craig Smoke are, are two of the hosts on that show. Schools aren't brands, man. I guess that I guess that's if if you could distill down my feeling about college football. Washington's not a brand. It's my school. Their brand. How do you build your brand? What do you make it? No, man, that's not how I see and experience college football. It's not. It's not a chance to make my brand the biggest. I hope that my school is successful. I enjoy it when Washington is good. I think there are some mistakes in building the business of of a conference that the Pac-12 has made. But this is not some sort of plan for, I want world domination where my brand descends. And when college sports fans start talking about teams in that way of the brand, it's just not part of my experience as a college football fan. I like going to the games with the guys I went to school with. And I recognize that what those players on the fields, like the, the, the business of college football has very little to do with my academic experience. But the fact that I'm tied to it because that's where I went to school and that's the stadium where I went and watched games, like those sort of things, it's part of the experience for me. 
And I want, when Washington wins the Pac-12, I want to go to the Rose Bowl. That's, that's how I felt the minute that they started with the college football playoff. And I, I was surprised because when Washington qualified for it uh, back in, in 2016 and played in the 2017 Peach Bowl, the, the, the semifinal, because after watching them win the, the, conference, the conference championship game, I was like, okay, I'll be bummed if they don't get picked to go to the college football playoff. I kind of I, I want to see how they'll match up against Alabama, and I was a little surprised by that. I, I, I liked the fact that they went there. But, but my initial reaction was, I like Pac-12 football, and if you win the conference, I think you should go play the Big Ten champion on, in the afternoon at the Rose Bowl with the sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains in, in the second half. And I recognize that that is not in the best financial interest of of the schools. And the reason it's not in the best financial interest, because that's not what the TV networks want. That's not what the TV networks will pay for. Right now, ESPN has essentially bankrolled the expansion of the SEC, and now Fox is doing that for the Big Ten. Like, that's that's where the money is flowing, into these two heavyweight conferences with the two primary broadcasters of college football games ponying up massive amounts. I've heard a billion dollars is the expectation of what the Big Ten's next broadcast contract will be. And hey, if, if if Washington's part of the Big Ten, they'll reap some of the rewards of that. And and I'll hope like hell that that they're able to, to ascend and become uh, a team that contends for conference titles and doesn't get lost in the middle and lose sort of the, the, the lose the relevance that they do have as a Pac-12 program. But my hope is that they continue to play Washington State and Oregon and Oregon State and Cal and Stanford. That's that's my hope. I don't know if that's realistic and I don't know if that's going to happen. But this idea of like who's the biggest brand I, for me, college football is not an exercise. In, in sort of how to build the most lucrative TV network. I know it is for some people. It is for administrators, and I know it is for TV executives. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why fans feel about it that way. W- what do you get out of this as a fan? How does this make it better for you? How has even the expansion to the Pac-12 and the TV contract that was split between ESPN and Fox and the Pac-12 network it made it worse for fans. It made it worse for fans who actually go to the games because we didn't know when the kickoff times were going to be. Like all these, that's going to be even compounded now if you're talking about thousands of miles, like two time zones away, all of those things. So I don't, I don't understand this excitement for what is the most lucrative TV network because I don't think any of that helps the actual, like the actual people that watch the games. This is again on Thursday. This is Pete Thamel, and he's he's an ESPN reporter who covers uh, college sports, but is has been very very clued in on on the Pac-12, and he has a discussion here with Matt Barry about sort of the overall bigger picture of what the USC UCLA defections mean. So everything is spiraling wrong for the Pac-12 right now, and it's going to be a true test of Commissioner George Klyakov who is just celebrating his one-year anniversary in the league, mm-hmm. how he puts Humpty Dumpty back together again out west. I really don't care what happens to George Klievkoff. Did I say it right? Klievkoff? He's the new commissioner that replaced Larry Scott. 
I, I don't. And that's nothing personal. I don't think he's done a bad job. I think he inherited a tough situation. And we'll see what he's able to say. But if the outcome of this is that the Pac-12 as a conference entity based in, well, it used to be Walnut Creek. Now I think it's San Francisco. Thanks, Larry. If, if that's the outcome of this, I don't, I don't really care about that. Like, honestly, I don't care about the infrastructure of the conference. I would like Washington to continue to play its geographic rivals. I would like Washington to continue to play Washington State. I would like it to continue to play Oregon. If Stanford and Cal are still there, I want them to continue playing them. Same with Oregon State. If Oregon leaves for the Big Ten, I don't want to follow Oregon and then be the the four big boys from the Pac-12 who left their brethren hanging. And if, if the result of this reduced Pac-12 conference is that there is some sort of merger with the Big 12 in which Big 12 teams on one side, Pac-12 teams on the other, I'm actually okay with that. And if that means that George Klievkov loses his job because the Pac-12 technically goes to the Big 12, I, I'm okay with that. Alex Kirshner, who does a great job covering college football, he also freelances for a number of spots, uh, Slate.com. I saw a piece of his in men, the Men's Journal as well. He, he wrote this. If six Pac-12 teams join the Big 12, isn't that pretty much just a merger that leaves a few teams out rather than one league killing another? It's kind of semantic, but I think the framing of league versus league is really conference office versus conference office. Totally and 100% agree. I think it's a really perceptive... I don't have any vested interest in the survival of the Pac-12 corporate office. And Alex continued, the Pac-12 is not screwed if six teams go to the Big 12. The Pac-12 commissioner is screwed, and Oregon State is screwed. But there's a better way to describe what's happening. 100% agree. 100% agree. I want the geographic sort of rivalries. I want the West Coast Pac-12 schools to continue to play each other in whatever form they can. I, I, I don't want to follow them to the Big Ten. But if it means that there is a Big 12, there's a, there's a Big 12 wing and a Pac-12 wing, and it's technically under the Big 12's tent, I, I'm okay with that. I, I think that that's as good a solution. There's no good solution here. The good solution would be for USC and UCLA not to have left. Actually, you know what the good solution would be? Is to get Doc Brown here, fire up the DeLorean, go back to when Larry Scott was hired, and hire someone else with experience in college athletics. But short of the DeLorean and 2.1 gigawatts, I, I want Washington to continue playing as many of the teams that were in the Pac-12 as possible. It's going to wrap up this episode of the Dang Apostrophe. Our final word, as always, goes to Marshawn Lynch. Then Marshawn Lynch, shut up, Danny.